Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations, Episode 17, Birds in a Family Tree. There's many a lass of the scientist clan that has followed her brief in a I am Frances M. Lynch, the Artistic Director of Electric Voice Theatre, and you are most welcome to the 17th episode of our podcast series, Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations. Today, Mary Maxwell Campbell's march sounds for the feet of an intrepid Scottish ornithologist as she tramps across the country, carefully observing and noting its birds, weather and traditional crafts. She was Evelyn Baxter, who was born on the 20th 29th of March 1879 in Fife and died there in 1959, having spent her whole life traversing the length and breadth of her beloved Scotland. We are joined by June Baxter, who knew Evelyn Baxter as Aunt Evie, an able and intelligent ornithologist, needlewoman and much-loved family member. She will help us explore the family tree, wound around with snatches of music by another Fife-born Scot, Composer Marie Dare, 1902-1976. But first we welcome retired science curator from the National Library of Scotland, historian Catherine Booth. Evelyn Baxter and her lifelong friend and collaborator Lenora Rintoul were the two most important female Scottish ornithologists, hugely respected in their day and since. Together they produced a two-volume authoritative work Birds of Scotland, published in 1953. Much of the research they did was undertaken by the two women tramping around all parts of Scotland, observing and noting the presence and behaviour of hundreds of species of birds. Notable was their extensive research into the birds of the Isle of May, an island in the Firth of Forth, still an important site for native birds and passing migrants. Over more than 25 years, noting what they observed and including wind and weather data, their meticulous records are still valuable today. Both women became Fellows of the Royal Society of Edinburgh in 1951. They were the only women at the time who were not graduates. Sadly, it was only in 1955, after Lenora Rintoul had died, that Glasgow University awarded an honorary degree to Miss Baxter. Her obituary describes her as having a joyous sense of humour. I'm June Baxter, and I was married to Alan Baxter, who was Evelyn Baxter's nephew. She was very distantly related to Mary Somerville. she was growing up, she was curious about everything she saw. She loved the outdoors, very knowledgeable and good at communicating her science. In fact, just like Evelyn Baxter. Mary Somerville was called the Queen of the Sciences. She was a mathematician. She was an astronomer. She wrote about science. She is one of the most well-known female scientists. She featured on a £10 note in Scotland. Evelyn Baxter was related to scientists 
Sir David Brewster, 1781-1868. He was her great-grandfather. Like Mary Somerville, he was born in Jedburgh, almost exactly contemporary with her. In fact, the two were friends. He was famous for his work in physical optics and the polarisation of light, inventing various optical instruments, including the kaleidoscope. He helped to develop and advance photography. Mary Somerville writes that he was a little bit superstitious. He lived in St Leonard's in the house there as a principal. You always thought there was a ghost there. Evelyn may well have inherited her love of science from her great-grandfather, but her ability to write beautifully and evocatively might have come from her great-grandmother, Juliet Macpherson, who was the daughter of James Macpherson, who famously translated Ossian's poetry. She died, and a number of years later, David Brewster married a young woman. Mary Somerville did not approve. She thought that was pretty shocking that he was in his 70s and he married this young woman. Evelyn Baxter's immediate family were textile manufacturers in Dundee. Her mother died when she was not quite two, so until she was 13 when her father married again, she grew up without a mother figure. The first time I met her was actually at the five point to point. I just loved her. My husband Alan was her nephew, so I met her when I married in 1956. He inherited the estate of Gilston and Aunt Evie. I only knew her for a very short time, really. She was just lovely, and I had a daughter first, my elder daughter Elizabeth. She's the one who's quite interested in her. And Aunt Evie was absolutely thrilled. It was a Miss Baxter because my husband was one of three boys and then I had a son after she died Edward and then I had three more daughters and I was think she'd been so thrilled because she was really quite a feminist in fact they all know about her particularly I think Edward who is the one who lives at Gilston he's involved in the leaf organization which is the link between the environment and farming and has been for the last 30 years and his farm at Gilston is a leaf demonstration farm he did this research about conservation headlands and bringing back grey partridges so I think Aunt Evie would have been thrilled I've got the most heavenly photograph of her she had huge feet ancient tall tweed coat and skirt and a sort of hat jammed on her head and binoculars I love that picture she loved her garden it was quite a big garden there were some fields beyond it going down to the sea in Lower Lago but it was quite big it was a sort of long ring there were cherry trees but I wouldn't know how many <laughs> there were three cherry trees once She was very interested in all that we were doing with the house and the garden particularly because she loved Gilston and she'd been brought up there and lived there. She used to dig up primroses, which of course now is a capital offence, all over the place and plant them in the grounds. And the primroses were absolutely wonderful. I was lucky enough to see some of Evelyn's beautifully written journals. I recognise her handwriting, marvellously clear handwriting, very distinctive. put the Latin names of the birds in the journal. She obviously expected somebody to read it afterwards. It wasn't just for herself, it was for the future that she wrote it. She was also wanting to be very precise about what she saw. She loved Bilston. The garden, the trees and the shrubs, the pond, the boathouse. She moved to Upper Lago. She built this house yes. called The Grove. She wanted to stay in the same neighbourhood. Leonora Rintoul had the house next door called Balsasnib, so they both had separate houses and they're near each other. 
I never met her. I'm always sorry I didn't because I gather she was lovely, very amusing. She doesn't talk about her very much. She doesn't say we very much, which obviously they've done everything together. I think they always live slightly separate lives. Did she talk about her trips to the Isle of May? To all lassies looked out, noting the weather and birds. Joe Eggling, who as a boy had known her, he wrote a book about the Isle of May. Because it was such a part of her life, the May Island. Weeks she spent there, and all her research on migration, I think, was founded on the May Island. Yes, she did really important work on drift. Other people had thought it didn't make any difference which direction the wind was, and she proved completely that, that it did. I think it was quite early they started including wind and weather data in their reports. They used to go and stay in those little cottages, which were for the lighthouse keeper. In 1936, she and Lenora Rintoul founded the Scottish Ornithologists Club, which still flourishes today. They promote the study, recording, documentation of the bird life of Scotland, conservation of wild birds and habitats, promote natural history. They have a network of volunteers who record bird sightings when Evelyn Baxter and Lenora Rintoul were involved, they themselves would answer queries if people wrote in about birds. But of course they travelled around all over Scotland. To Scotland our fathers served thee well with brain and hand. Through long, laborious, unrelenting years they built a nation in this land of ours. She adored the Highlands. I remember her once saying to me that the Highlands in the autumn were the nearest thing to heaven, she felt. I don't remember ever hearing that she ever went abroad. She was just very happy to be in Scotland. Of service to Scotland. Their book, The Birds of Scotland, describes some of the sightings of other ornithologists, including Mary Russell, Duchess of Bedford, called the Flying Duchess. The Flying Duchess cuts! In 1907, the Duchess of Bedford heard the corn creak. Calling in every clover and rye grass field on Aglesey, Gersey, Swainholme and Greenholme in the Orkney Islands. She was an ornithologist but also an early aviator. She took part in aeroplane races and everything. She was quite a quite a lady. Think what it has meant to human beings. Since Jay had invented airplanes. A friend of ours, Douglas Hutchinson, who was very keen on birds, said he met them one day, she and Miss Rintoul, and he said that he'd seen some rare bird on Lindor's loch. And she said coldly, we know about that, but we're not talking about it. Evelyn was also engaged in broadcasting to schools in the 1920s on birds and their habitats. She gave talks to local natural history groups. One of the reports said that the talk had been charming and scholarly. Travelling, recording, observing, collecting, judging, teaching, encouraging. Birds and people, baskets and cards. And then they collected all these baskets. She had this marvellous collection of baskets, and when she died, 
my husband gave it to the Royal Scottish Museum. She was very good at embroidery. She did lots of embroidery with wool that we call cruel work. At Gilston still, there's a beautiful screen she did with peacocks. Quite a big screen. She always had it in her drawing room. She did a charming little picture of blue tits, of course, all absolutely anatomically correct, which my daughter Lizzie has got, who's my oldest daughter, who was the only one she ever saw. But yes. she was very talented, she was. Beautiful needlewoman. Yes. She was such a complete person altogether with all sorts of other interests. She would judge competitions. Very keen member of the SWRI. The Scottish Women's Rural Institute. She gave money for a trophy which is still presented and there's a scholarship that she founded for people to learn crafts and then pass them on to others. She was a justice of the peace in Fife. She was also appointed to the Scottish Agricultural Wages Board the only woman, she'd done lots of work for the Land Army during the war and was awarded an MBE in 1945 for her war work. Birds. I mean, that was her main interest. In one of her journal entries, she said she liked watching the geese flying over Loch Leven. And they even fly over my head in Stanley's. I love it. The wild grey geese from the fields And I feel it's not just the birds that she was seeing then, it's what she's recorded for now and for posterity, for conservation, for climate change, for habitats, for reintroduction, even for developers and planners. She was really aware of the seasons very much, which I think nowadays, when many people live in towns, is something that we are all losing a little bit. It's just very sad we don't hear and see so many birds because our journals are full of masses of sightings of birds. It's been a huge pleasure for me to remember Aunt Evie and, and talk about her and think so about her. Feed my thoughts in a she was the most lovely person. She really was. I was very devoted to her. The Grey Geese by Marie Dare, words by C. Ethel Evans, performed by myself. You also heard extracts from Dare's A Widow Bird Sate Morning and the voice of Margaret Cameron singing The Three Cherry Trees. All other music was written by me and performed by singers from Electric Voice Theatre and primary school children in Fife. Many thanks to our speakers Catherine Booth and June Baxter and to you for listening. That's the end of episode 17, Birds in a Family Tree. Do join us for future episodes of Women in Science and Music 30 celebrations as our story of women's contribution to culture and heritage continues apace.